Hello, everyone. We're doing a little bit of a preamble for this episode. Um, today, we are talking to Tanya Nicole. This is a special episode for me because Tanya is actually the person that got me into stand-up comedy in the first place. When I first moved to PEI, it was one of uh, her shows, uh, one of the first shows I think she produced that I came out to watch and thought, eh, I, I want to try that. And pretty much everything happened from that that one instance. So it's really cool to have her on and chat with her. Um, another thing I wanted to let you guys know about is uh, Tanya has recently released her first album, her first comedy album, and we are getting a sneak peek preview of that album. I'll be including at the very end of this episode, so stick around after the closing laughs for the very, the very first sneak preview of Tanya's uh, Croc-Nado comedy album. Awesome. Enjoy the show, guys. <laughs> All right, so... This is episode 15 of East Coast Laugh Style. Um, we are here at Red Island Cider. Um, proud, lovely sponsor of the podcast. Today I am joined with uh, my good friend, fellow comedian, Tanya Nicole. Um, great to have you on. Um, I don't know whether to give you a bio or to just jump in and start chatting but whatever you want to do I mean hmm. we can just chat let's just chat let's just chat, <laughs> let's just chat. I'll just get you to move the mic a little sure. bit closer but yeah I'm a super experienced podcast person you are I'm not oh you're not well I wasn't until I did it 15 times so it's like, all right we're we're just figuring it out um how are you doing I'm good uh join the nice Weather melting. You know? Yes, <laughs> we're in a we're in a. I guess you could call it a heat wave in PEI right now. <laughs> we're hitting God, like thirty five with the humidity. I think, I think it was like forty. I I believe it. Mm. Yeah. Which is like well, it's the humidity that makes it so intense. But yeah. Yeah. But no, it's I I enjoy it. I'm more of a a warm weather. I'm warm blooded. Oh, I like a, I like a, a twenty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like eighteen to twenty-two is my. Spot. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a nice middle ground. Yeah. I don't know. I just I I like feeling like I can't and shouldn't move, and I'm just like <laughs> plastered to the. The couch or the grass. So you enjoy melting. I do enjoy melting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I much prefer it to to freezing. <laughs> but um, gotcha. yeah, we we actually met um, af like pretty soon after I moved to PEI. It was within, I think, just a couple months. Yeah, I think I remember you saying that. Yeah, you you were putting on a, a stand up show in your parents' yard? <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, COVID times, uh, mm -hmm. summer of 2020, 
and as the world knows, everything was shut down, um, and PEI was just starting to open back up that summer, but there was, like, a lot of rules, yeah. um, and there weren't any, um, like, venues willing to dip their toes into anything indoors yet. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, at that point, there hadn't been anything happen on PEI. I don't think we had one case. Yet. Yeah, no, I was actually the first person who put in... Um, in the province who like put like an application in because there was this thing you had to do to like con- okay. or, like I had to contact them and you had to follow the steps and then yep. you'd have to have like a I forget what it was called but it was like a protocol like that you had to have if an inspector came like this is what you're doing to keep everyone safe right anyway sorry I'm getting on a tangent no, but yeah fine. so um I uh had multiple comedy shows on my parents farm <laughs> that's amazing and we just spray painted um circles on the ground and then that would be people's bubbles right yeah yeah i remember that you you could have like i think three people per bubble and yeah it was or, like four people max per bubble yeah. yeah but if you want to have multiple bubbles sitting together i would just spray paint another circle beside you slightly we figured it out but it was fun, you know, it, it got a good. lot of um, comics. I was going to say stage time, yard time. Yard time, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, you know, we just had like a, well, you know, you were there, pay what you can box. And yep. um, we, I did like quite a few of them, I think, actually. And yeah. then um, that's how I started producing that's, comedy shows. Because if I'm not mistaken, that was pretty soon after you started performing, right? Yeah, so... I started performing on July 1st in 2019, mm-hmm. um, so I was about um, a year in when I started producing, and um, there just aren't a lot of opportunity, even outside of COVID, um, for comedy on PEI, so I was like, well, if I want to get better at comedy, I'm going to have to make my own events yeah. to perform and get better at. That- <laughs> That I I love that attitude so much. Oh. It's and I, I don't want to turn this this uh, whole episode into just like love bombing you, but like I I do want to like get across to everyone. Like Tanya is the person who um, got me into it from that first show I I mentioned offhand I've thought about doing stand up and she was like well you should do it and then the next thing she produced she was like hey do you want do you want 3 minutes and I'm like uh okay and then she's just been like behind so many of of um the opportunities I've had to get on stage and kind of build up my my stand up ability so it's it's very cool to finally have you on the show thank you and I'm I'm glad that you did get up. Um, I think it's something that like you only live once. Like if there's something you want to try, and I know I'm probably being a hypocrite in some ways with some of the things that I want to try that I haven't yet, but do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no reason to not do it, there's... especially if the opportunities are there. Do it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And like I I noticed. Um, I noticed um, myself early in um, in high school in my teenage years. There was things I'd want to do, and so often, if I just asked, you the door would open to yeah. so many opportunities. Like mm-hmm. 
I had, I think I've told this story on here before, but I had, um, I was, I had a school project. We had to make a rockumentary. It's kind of like this is Spinal Tap. Yeah. And, and um, I, I reached out to the local Vancouver rock station and said, hey, I have this fake band that I'm making a fake mockument- uh, rockumentary about. Can I come and interview you guys? Um, and I'm like 15 at the time. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. So we like went down to Vancouver. We um, we went into this like beautiful like radio station studio, and the morning crew did like a bunch of improved um, like fake interviews about this band I made up. That's hilarious. And oh my god, yeah, it just you were 15. I was like 15. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So I've like ever since then I'm. I've always kind of been of the like if if the opportunity doesn't exist create your own opportunity and if there's someone to ask just ask cuz the worst they can say is no. Yeah, and I mean that still gets me. I find it um I'm one of those people I definitely have a hard time with rejection. So mm. like for me that's why I'm like I'm a bit of a hypocrite being like just do it. Yeah. <laughs> um but um, sometimes you have to. Yeah. And what I've been learning, because comedy is a very humbling experience, <laughs> um, you're going to get knocked down more times than you can get up, or so you think at least. Yeah. Um, the times that I have gotten no's or rejections, something else has come out of that. Yeah. Um, or it's pushed me to get better or um, accept that, Maybe I'm not there yet, but these are the things that I can work on to get there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What do, What was the, the kind of, um, I guess, crux or the, um, the impetus that started you down, like, comedy? What made you want to, like, get on stage in the first place? Um. Especially being so, like, like you said... Um, rejection averse right <laughs> um well uh, masochist uh, no um I know that's like a everyone's joke um uh, but if you do comedy um <laughs> but to be honest and and I'm just I'm someone I use comedy as a vehicle to talk about this so um if you have you're listening and you don't know anything about me trigger warning I'm a very mentally ill person <laughs> or the, actually the best way to say that would be is that I live with uh, I live with mental illness yeah um, so I try to promote my own mental wellness but it's like any chronic disease yeah um, I go in and out anyways I was going through a really hard time probably one of the hardest times I've ever been through mm-hmm. um, and I went to the Island Fringe Festival and on the opening night they kind of had like a celebratory party and there were several local comedians performing stand-up and after the show I went and spoke to them I was like I didn't even know we had stand-up on PEI <laughs> yeah. and uh, which I, now I know when I hear that that's heartbreaking because yeah. <laughs> I know how much work I put in and then when people say that I'm like oh after four years people still don't know there's stand-up here <laughs> but anyways 
Um, but back then, these were people who were like hitting the open mics hard and really dedicated to stand up on PEI. And they're like, yes, of course, there's stand up. Anyways, um, there was an open mic that Sam McDonald ran on Mondays at Bob's. Okay. And uh, it was called the All Comedy Open Mic, which has changed hands over the last few years. And now Britt Campbell runs uh, Rat Tales on Mondays there now. Anyhow, um, I was like, is there any women that perform? And uh, these individuals were like, actually, it was Joe Revel and Brad Duran. Um, and they were like, there's a couple. Uh, mm-hmm. We would love to have more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I literally had hit rock bottom, so I was like, what do I have left to lose? Yeah. And so that was on a, a Wednesday, and I spent five days writing a set. Wow. For five days straight, I just worked on yeah. that set. Um, and it was terrible. <laughs> but I thought it was. It was my baby. And I got up and I did it. Uh, and I never looked back. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, there's been a lot more downs than ups. Um, but when it's rewarding, it's really rewarding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <coughs> it's, I think that's it, like anything though, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's like, it's like uh, you know, any... any Enterprise, really, you're starting a business or you're creating a uh, a career, or you know, there's yeah. going to be ups and downs, and it's yeah. it's not a smooth road because you've you've never done it before. Yeah, that was that was one of my um, kind of reasons for starting the podcast in the way that I've done it is to like get people in to talk to who are at different levels than I am yeah and and ask them about the road what's what is that road map what what are the the milestones for everyone is what I'm learning yeah um, I, I think so mm-hmm. anyway um I mean I, I I agree with you like the the way you get from places but there are certain like mile markers I guess that is, you yeah. can kind of find um similarities in other people's careers be like oh i've i've made it to um you've you've done a headline you've got right you've yeah. you've had your own show you've you what whatever it happens yeah. to be right well but i you know what's really interesting about stand up there's a lot of unwritten rules yeah there's a lot of um and this is one of the reasons why stand up's so humbling um, I don't know what it's like outside of Canada, but mm-hmm. within the Canadian comedy community, like, you can't dare say you're a pro. I mean, you can, but, yeah. like, you have to have some super street cred behind you. Yeah. And, and um, like you are saying, like, a certain amount of milestones. But people really respect time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mean, like necessarily time for sets or not even necessarily how many sets but like how long you've been doing it how efficiently you've been doing it how consistent you are um and you always respect your mentors like you always respect your senior comics yeah um and i get that because you know and i was a bit of um i'm a really sensitive person and so when I first started, because there wasn't a lot of women on PEI, 
or even actually to be honest whenever I went over to Nova Scotia or New Brunswick there were quite a few shows I was the only woman on or maybe like one or two yeah um, one cool thing side note out of the pandemic is I noticed the Atlantic comedy circuit we have so many women amateurs now yeah which is really cool because it, it brought people to try things yeah right? um, and I it's a it's a it's a more comfortable space I find like with women involved I think so. Yeah. I, I think I think the more gender diverse, the more um, different cultures, everything, the more voices you have, the better comedy is. Because yeah. comedy is about sharing a point of view mm-hmm. um, with other people, uh, you know, with hopefully the gift of laughter. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we can hope. We can, we can hope. hope. Um, but yeah, sorry, I got off tangent, but I just got to say I was such a sensitive person when I started and it was, and I I have so much respect for other comics, but because I didn't really understand the dynamics of like how you get to be a good comic, which is an ever growing journey. I think it's like one of those unattainable goals, which is why some of us are drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I understood how much respect people deserved who have been putting the time in yeah. and been working at hard at it. People who don't do comedy don't know how many times you have to rep a joke before you know, it, like among different rooms and different audiences, you really got to work that out. Yeah. Like, and that's one joke. And yeah, you'll find the odd one that, you know, like it, it's like gold and it, yeah. whatever and it works. But, um, but like building a set takes time. And like people who've built like a lot of time and some of, everyone's different too. But like, um, and there's a difference too between having like time and having like quality time too, mm-hmm. right? Like you could have like 60, mi- 60 minutes, but maybe only 30 minutes of that is like quality kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but well, and, and you hear of, of people who like you'll, you'll get your, your first solid like 15 and then you'll ride it for 15 years. Yeah. And I mean, if that's what you want to do, absolutely go but for it. But that depends on, like, that depends on, though, from our experience, we have a very unique experience. We're on Prince Edward Island. Mm-hmm. Our population is small. Yeah. Our pocket of people that come out and watch our shows is a niche. Yeah. And our jokes burn out faster. And it's that's true. why I've written so much material in four years, because I had to. Because yeah. I'm hosting and producing a lot of these shows. Yeah. People are going to get sick of my jokes. Yeah. And so it forced me to write a lot. Now, if you're in a big city, you can go and pound out jokes, you know, you can go to five mics in a week or sometimes, or like 10 if you really wanted to, but like, and you can work at stuff a lot faster and it's hard on PEI because you don't have as many opportunities to work things out. Yeah. Um, but doesn't it, doesn't it almost allow or force you to to write more and get 100% back, but I do think that there's a lot of my jokes that are a couple of years old that maybe aren't at the quality they could be at if I was repping them more somewhere else right if I had more access to mic time I'd be able to rip it and craft it maybe a bit differently yeah um, okay and, 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 yeah so it, it comes with so it depends like I think like in a big city there's some people they have built a solid 10 or tall, even a solid 7 Mm-hmm. In a big city, the odds of the same people seeing you in the audience aren't that big. Right. You can do that seven yeah. for maybe seven years. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, here, 
doing the same seven for seven years, you may as well shoot yourself in the foot. Right. <laughs> right. But so like it, it, yeah, it forces you to, to write more material, but it, it doesn't allow you to really massage that, that set into what it could become. Yeah, and I yeah. and and you know it's one of those things. That's why I'm like, do I move? Do I stay? Like, yeah. But, but like we said, it forces us to write. There's pros and cons to both of it, and you know you look at some people who've been here, and uh, of course they've been doing the same jokes maybe over a decade, but they also have an hour and a half of material, so you're not just hearing the same exact yeah. seven every time. They can you. The more material you have, you could interchange it like Lego blocks and yeah. make different sets for different nights. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not going to hear the exact same thing every time. That's what I'm I'm just starting to notice in myself. Like, there was a, a thing when I first started coming to Baba's and doing the open mics, I would, like, force myself to have a new routine yep. every time. Yeah. Um, because I just wanted to like see if I could do it and then I was talking to people and they were they were saying the same thing you're saying about there is something to like definitely create material and write but there's something to be said for working crafting absolutely and so now I've I've done that a bunch of times so I could, yeah, stack them all together and I have, like, a half hour. Yeah. But is it good? Some, some, some less, some more. But now I can, like, oh, this this intro works really well with this or this can lead into that. And, and now I'm like, oh, Lego, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've always called it the Lego block. Yeah. It's funny, um, who was it? Uh, I was saying, like, Lego block to when I first started to, oh, Doyle McCollin, uh, he doesn't do comedy anymore, which is too bad, but he stopped right around the time you started. Okay. Um, but he produced some shows here of P. Edward Company, and he was, like, uh, an open micer Baba's, but also he helped me get my first club gig at Hell's uh, Basement Comedy Club yeah. off Island. Um, wow. And he, he was... He was only a couple years ahead of me, but he was really good mm -hmm. um, and encouraging. And if Doyle, you ever happen to hear this, hi, I hope <laughs> you come back. <laughs> You're always welcome. We miss you. Um, but it's funny, he called it Lego Blocks too, so it was funny that. Um, but yeah, I was talking about earlier, sorry, I got to my tangents, which that's why my name this is This entire podcast is one tangents. big tangent. <laughs> That's no. The, we every person I have on, we usually veer off for like a half hour about yeah. something. Like it's loosely a comedy right. podcast. Remember when I was like, because every single time I got on a different story, but I was like, you know, when I first started, I was so sensitive. What I was gonna say is, because I'm a sensitive person and I didn't understand, I didn't understand why they were like. Tanya, like you should try to rework some of the same jokes. I did mm. the same thing for the first probably eight weeks I did a different set every time yeah um but then I started hanging on I went back and picked out kind of my favorites mm -hmm. but then it was crazy because within three months I was on shows like like show shows yeah and, yeah and it was and then I took it for granted because I didn't realize like oh some people have to work for like 
years, years yeah. to get that. And the, and the reality was, I wasn't that good. I was lucky that people were giving me spots. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like in hindsight, I'm like, wow. But the thing is, we didn't have that many comics. Um, right. But uh, yeah, anyways, um, when it comes to those unwritten rules that I was talking about, you do really learn why you need to respect those unwritten rules. Yeah. Because it's like you when you're first starting and like I totally I, I was gonna say felt it, but I feel it still like you're you're walking into somebody else's house. Oh yeah. Right? Well, you're gonna that's never gonna go because I guess every club you go unless you're like if you become the Jerry Seinfeld and every club becomes your club maybe maybe but but yeah I'm like I mean I guess now at my stage every every room and I like I go to Bubba's all the time and I know everybody but there's been people going there way longer than I have I have no stake in the the night nobody's coming to see Adam specifically, but I guess that's they're coming to see the show. Though. They're coming to see the show. And I think it's really important that we give a shout out to Britt Campbell. Um, every 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 episode is a shout I out know, to Britt. I know, yeah. but but the thing is, like before Britt came back to PEI, I was running a mic, and then there mm-hmm. was a mic at Bobbitt's, and it still wasn't a lot of stage time. Yeah, but I know the thankless work that goes into producing shows. Um, and that's not to like, that's not saying I want anything out of it, but I'm just saying that is the truth of it too. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but especially in running a mic, because mm-hmm. it's for the community. Yeah. And sometimes people can take hosts um, and showrunners for granted. Yeah. They're making that opportunity to allow you to get better. Absolutely. And I had gotten worn down from trying to do shows in the mic that yeah. I stopped running a consistent mic. Yeah. But Brick came in and made the Bob's mic consistent again. Yeah. And not only is it consistent, it's probably one of... What I was trying to do was run a very inclusive mm-hmm. room. At the time, I called it Safer Space. I don't call my comedy Safer Space shows so anymore um, because I realized that just does a detriment because there's always people that are going to like punch back down on that. Yeah. So it's just better to have an accountable space is more what it is. Sure, I think yeah. is maybe the more the thing. Something really shitty happens, call that person out. Yeah. You know, or, 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 and that's about it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you can kind of leave, if you just don't like a joke, you kind of be like, well, it was a shitty joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, too bad of it. Although you do have a responsibility though, if something's really bad, like if someone says something like racist or like blatantly transphobic, you probably should say something. But, anyways, but aside from that, um, because of all the baggage that came with running a safer space show and being labeled um, a woke person, right? Um, and like also hearing, getting pushback from people. Was there? Because I remember you running those shows, but I never. So I, I don't. We don't need to get. Into we the don't need to get into the politics, sure, but yeah. not just even on PEI. Like there was like wow. it was a source of topic. But it's funny because people talk about you know free speech and how safer safe uh, safer space shows are hurting comedy, but it's funny because there's not that many of them and they exist for a reason. They're not about being woke or trying to censor comedy. It's about making a safe uh, 
place for people of marginalized populations to come perform and watch. Yeah. It's not about it's not about censoring comedy. It's just about making a room where the yeah. people of marginalized populations don't have to worry about hearing yeah. that stuff. Like I don't understand how you hard that is. You can have chicken and steak still exists. Yes. Right. <laughs> but it doesn't mean. But it doesn't mean that this chicken. Mm. Is trying to take over the state. No, <laughs> it, can, it can exist on an entirely different plate. But as someone who was running shows that weren't labeled safer space, and then also safer space, and then I was running a mic that was safer space, um, and there was just yeah. yeah. Anyways, it's not everyone's thing, so I stepped away from it, and so we lost half of our mic time. Yeah. And then, uh, so I'm grateful to Brick because I know what it takes to run a mic, I, and yeah. Brit has made a space that is known to be inclusive without having to label it in any way, mm-hmm. which is the dream. Yeah. And, and and I would call it, but if something shitty happens, I know Britt, Britt would be like, fuck off. Like, oh, yeah, very. 100%. Without, without like you said, but labeling just, it, it's very clear that there are yeah, some parameters. Yeah, and that's the beautiful thing. It's called, what's the term people are using now? Braver space, where um, it's about accountability. So it's like just being brave enough to if something really shitty happens being like yeah hey that wasn't cool um let's talk about this like off stage or whatever but anyways but um but like i i don't want to have to do that anymore (laughs) i don't want to have to be the person like i don't want to ever feel like i'm censoring a comic yeah and then sometimes what happens is well people get into what does a safer space mean to you? What are your rules, Tanya? And then next thing you know, you have people asking you, are their jokes appropriate or not? And you know, I'm, I've been doing comedy for four years. I don't want to tell <laughs> someone that something's a good joke or not just because right. it isn't a fit for the show. Yeah. And I, like, I don't want to be responsible for censoring other people as yeah. well. But it's also like, but you have a responsibility if you're going to run a space that says it's a safe space for people with marginalized populations. Yeah. You have to uphold a certain um, code of standards, basically. Sure, yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's hard. Um, but uh, but yeah. Anyways, Britt, thank you. Yeah. Because uh, Rat Tales is amazing, and I think everyone goes to see the whole show, which includes absolutely you, Adam, everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, it's exciting because we can get up there, and it feels definitely like a place where you can let a new joke rip. And if it bombs, who fucking cares? Yeah. The room is still, excuse me, I'm happy to hear you go into your next joke. So. Yeah, yeah. It's a good room to fail in. It's <laughs> <laughs> and I've definitely and done that. And a great room to do great in. I've seen, like, people, because now people who, like, because I'm still very new in this, but there's people now that are newer than I am. Mm-hmm. And like I've seen them, oh, excuse me, um, improve, and that's a cool thing because of because yeah. of that space. So, well, I think like I mean, obviously, any uh, open mic or platform to an artist is a gift. Yeah. Um, but there are some spaces that are even more. I hate saying more special than others, but it's true. Yeah, and sure. Rat Tales is a special. It's a special, special place. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, which though, um, I am doing a mic <laughs> <Yeah>. on August eighth. <laughs> um, if people want to come early, uh, if anyone's listening to this, um, 
like if you want to come like an hour, hour and a half before, we're going to have a write-in. So if no one's ever done comedy before, talking about setup and um, punchline. Okay. Um, we can write together. So the show's going to be like, I don't know what I might call, like this might be funny. I don't know. It's like where everyone comes and does new material, even like, Ooh. so I'm going to pre, like have a sign up. Yeah. But then also there's going to be like three or four spots for two minute spots that will be drawn out of a hat. Yeah. And those will be a like if anyone didn't sign up but wanted on maybe people come and write yeah the writers group before want to stay and watch or want to stay and, and yeah. try it out we can draw that's you know what would be fun to to include in that I don't know if you could say no um, like write jokes for other people and you know I it was funny there was uh, who was it years ago oh Nick Goody mentioned it yeah. actually I think he was like um, we should do each other's jokes. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Like, we should say, anyways. But um, some, I just remember him saying that like a couple, like a few summers ago. When, I think it was like when I just first started. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but um, it's a cool idea. I'm not ready for that idea yet. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like that would be a show in itself. It could be. That could maybe be a show you do. Maybe I do. Yeah, maybe I do. Because I like. Maybe you do. Maybe you will. Maybe I will. Do it. Maybe I, I will. Okay. All right. I guess I'm running a show now. Well, like you have a support yeah. venue. I, I do. Yeah. You have a I, patio. I do have a patio. I Yeah. You have access to a patio at the place I, you work at. Oh, this is how it happened. Now I'm producing shows. <laughs> no, but like, but this is like, like this is, anyway, think of it. Yeah. I mean, because is, you it, just pitched an idea. Yeah. I said no. Yeah. The opportunity has arisen. Shoot, <laughs> yeah, for yeah. you to do it. Yeah. What are your resources? You have access to a venue. I have access to a venue. That's the first thing. Yeah. The first, the two things you need, the three things you need. Yeah. Are is a venue. Yeah. Comics. Okay. And a budget. Okay. Unfortunately, producing is all about business. Yeah. And it's hard when you produce and host a show. Um yourself like when you because then you have to worry about also performing mm -hmm. while you're running around doing all the stuff before yeah so these are things you gotta think about but this is and remember this is just what i learned just so everyone knows i've only been doing comedy for four years but you've so been these, producing for like four years a long time and well producing for three years but um but it produced a lot yeah oh yeah you're everywhere <laughs> all, all different kinds of shows yeah um still learning of course, um, i don't I think you ever ask, stop if you stop I, you and, die well, if you, if you think you've learned everything, yeah. you're an idiot. Yeah, you're, yeah exactly. You're a pompous asshole. Um, I uh, hate myself, so I think <laughs> I suck at everything. Um, I wish I was a pompous asshole sometimes, even if maybe I come across like one. But uh, <laughs> uh, overcompensating. But, um, yeah, I think you should do it. Yeah, because it's, it's a different... Even if, what if you just did a regular one first? Yeah. Like, you don't have to do your... Like you but, can, but if you want to do I that, like I like doing weird stuff because it's like... Do it. My background is, is script writing mm -hmm. um, for actors, mm -hmm. right? So I, I'm used to writing... You're a playwright? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not a... Or were you... Or were you um, like a screenwriter. 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 More. I'm okay. a screenwriter. I study playwriting. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. I've I've written stuff that's been performed on stage. Nice. Um, and I've I've done stuff 
for film. Um, so I guess a little bit of both, but it's it's a different mindset. It's a different like notch on the switch from comedy. So it's what, it, and I, I feel like you can. There's a freedom in writing for another person mm-hmm. because it's not your voice in your body. Performing. See, I find that I, it's interesting thought process. I my anxiety makes me see that in the opposite side. Huh. Okay. But that's just different personality. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Definitely. Different things. But I think that's a beautiful mindset to have. Yeah. And if like the, doing a show that is where you, like people write, you said write jokes for one another. Right? Yeah. So like. If that's something you want to do, like, think of a quirky name. And, like, the thing about it is that I'm so happy about it mm. <laughs> is that there was no one else producing shows. Yeah. And now, like, Pat Ledwell, who's amazing, is yeah. doing actually, like, a series at the Trailside. Sean Hogan is doing a series. And yeah. I know they would do, like, big shows, but, like, they're doing series yeah. now. Um, this podcast, uh, Rat Tales. Um, I never want it nor do I want to have a monopoly on the PEI <laughs> comedy show scene Yeah. if anything the best gift would be is if more people start producing the scene will only get better Yeah. Um, with more um, so like yeah you can have too many cooks in the kitchen on a micro level but on like a macro level like growing a scene yeah. there needs to be more people putting in ideas absolutely but it's a lot of work and you got to be able to pay for things when shit doesn't work out. Yeah. There's a lot of financial responsibility that yeah. comes with it. But here is a cute little place where I don't think it would put you back too much. I don't think there would be too much of a, a science to it. To, no. To, like, you have a venue that's probably not going to charge you to use it. Yeah. So right there, you don't have a venue fee. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway, sorry, we're getting into too much business. Here. No, this is this is exactly <laughs> what the podcast is about. Is the, the I hate talking like I like behind the doors. Shop, yeah, but I hate talking the business because I do that because I'm almost feel like I'm forced to do it to create opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> like I um I kind of like because like my like my day job is like I own a business. Yeah, and I I I have this like entrepreneurial bug that just keeps forcing me to make businesses. Yeah. So I really like the I I, I I in in the least business bro way, I I love this like business talk. I love like how do we like create something that can generate income yeah. for people. Yeah. Because that like when I when I eventually start producing shows mm-hmm. um, I one of my goals in doing it is to pay equitably and fairly the performers who that's are, my biggest thing so yeah. because of that it's funny yeah. <laughs> if you look at my like without getting into numbers but gross income from producing and then my net income is like nothing because mm-hmm. I've given almost all the money I've made to the performers. Yeah. Because I believe in paying artists fairly. Yeah. And I've learned the hard way. Katie's got to start paying herself. Because you're an artist. And but uh, but but also too, there's a lot of work that goes into producing. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. And if and if it's a part of your livelihood, you know, like there's something to be said about also like you're helping make create opportunities. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, 
but even like though this summer I was like I'm gonna pay myself mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like uh, this particular summer in PEI there's a lot of competitions with culture and arts events yeah yeah and so normally all my sh- like shows do pretty well selling out or like 90% capacity nice but like this summer capacity is lower than that and I do I mostly am just doing smaller shows producing smaller shows yeah. now because that's I'm trying to focus a lot more on like writing and performing not just because I kind of like backed myself into a corner where I got known as a producer Mm -hmm. but I want to be a comic that was the whole point of producing was to create opportunities to practice performing yeah yeah Um, and like uh, I was going somewhere with that sorry (laughs) Um, but um, I don't remember that's (laughs) alright do you remember where we were no. Sorry. No, that's Sorry. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it'll probably come back. Can you, Jin? So. Yeah. Um, no, that's, like, I've I've had the idea of, like, I want to do an East, like, even, like, if it's a, a yearly East Coast laugh style comedy festival, mm-hmm. I want to... Do it. Yeah, like, bring in people who've been on the, sh- the podcast who... I'm like growing an audience to um, that are seeing these people and being introduced to these people. I want to bring them together and give them, like, even if it's like four people, give them each like 25 minutes, turn it into like a, a longer show, eventually do it at the Confed Center, like that kind of thing. I want to, like, because there it's is. It's important to dream. I, I'm a. I'm a. No, no, no! I'm, no, I'm serious. That that sounded like sarcasm. I'm like, no, I, it is, because um, if you don't have dreams and you're not gonna have ambitions, absolutely. and you're someone like you seem like you're a go getter, so it's time to put your yeah, to expression your money where your mouth is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Or like wherever, but like, but like, do it. Yeah. There's no like, I don't know. I've been like, I've been wanting to do a festival for a while now. Anyways, but it's yeah. but just. I'm going down a little bit of a different path with my comedy right sure. now, so I'm focusing on, like, different things, but cool. um, I think, yeah, the more comedy yeah. shows we have here, the better. If you want to do a festival, like, an East Coast Lifestyles Festival, yeah. fun. Like, the more comedy that happens, it, it isn't going to hurt yeah, Exactly, exactly. And I've, I've noticed, because I've been invited now to go to a few, like, larger shows. Uh-huh. I got invited by uh, Dan Quinn to come to the Snowed In comedy tour. Oh, nice, yeah. And um, that was full. They, they filled the place. Oh, that's a little fast. I yeah. Didn't take it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I... Um, uh, James Mullinger, who was on the podcast just a couple episodes ago. Trailside, right? Yeah, Trailside. Yeah. That was sold out. Mm-hmm. And these are like like big ticketed shows and there are they're filled. They're like they're sold out. There are, and there's and they're sold out by people who've never been to a Bubba's Night. But 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 do you do you understand why? Because they're coming to see a name? They're also going to the venue. Trailside sells itself. Okay. If you Trailside, people will literally just go on their phone and be like, "Oh, what's going on Trailside tonight? Let's go." I see. Right. The Confed Center sells tickets. Yeah. Trailside sells tickets. If you put shows on there, people will. They'll. Okay. So then. mm. So. Of course, they also had James Mullinger and the Snowden comedy tour. 
they also had great PR that we can't afford, like videographer PR showing up on Facebook ads. Like, you know, yeah. like, like there's, there's, and like, they're big, also big names. So they also, that too. Yeah. Okay. So people so they are coming like, for the name, but they're also, but people, people will look people up. And like, yeah. if you look at James Mullinger's website and his videos and stuff, they're beautiful. Yeah. If you look like if these people have things like, cause the thing is even on PEI, people don't know who people are right the first thing they'll do is look them up but if you look legit you look legit you're gonna sell tickets yeah and they're good yeah and people like james mullinger yeah people like people that were on stone and tour you know like the, these are so it's like when you all the best things are going there they got good pr they got good venues and the artists are good yeah so even if there's people who don't know who those artists are they like the venue or the people who don't know what the venue is but like the artists like all the bases are covered yeah Trailside shows sell out for music, spoken word, um, yeah. comedy. Like, for me, I also know, as someone who's had some losses with producing, um, I just don't want to, for me, like, well, also, too, like, I'm like, hey, like, when I look at Trailside, I see, like, a very prestigious stage. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because I have Sean Hogan... I think he's like, you know, the god of PI comedy. <laughs> I'm just I'm joking, but hi Sean. But um but you know, like we all have so much respect for him and he runs shows that are there and like it puts it like having him produce shows there and Pat Ledwell do shows there, it puts comedy on a different level. And yeah. so it's kind of like Trailside is almost like our not our comedy club, but something to aspire to okay. get onto. Yeah, yeah. Um, or that's how I look. That's at a it. milestone. That's a milestone. Yeah. And so when Sean booked me to open for someone like last month, yeah. um, Peter White, um, like that was a gift. So like I was like, wow, like it's finally happening, and it was terrifying because in my head I have it all built up. You know how you were saying earlier, it's like walking into a new home yeah. every time. <laughs> yeah. Like, the stage just, you know, it was, um, it's not that it's just that it's a big room, it's just it's a nice room, and the lighting's a bit different, and it looks very club-esque, like, legit club-esque, yeah. the tables and the candles on them, and, you know. It feels like the 80s, like yeah, the like heyday of comedy. Yeah, like, I feel like this is, like, the club that you yeah. want to be at. <laughs> um, but for me, like, to have a show at Convent Center, you know, you have to pay $5,000 rental fee, right. or, like, to have a show at um, the Trailside, uh, is also an expensive rental fee. Um, mm -hmm. They do have, I think, some 50-50 splits after you sell so many tickets. But for me, I realized, okay, I'll, like, like, I don't want to put that down yet. Do you know what, like, yeah. for me, like, I'm doing well with the little shows that yeah, I have. Yeah, um, I'll let those people run the shows at those venues, and yeah. that'll be like prestigious opportunities. Um, but also, I don't want to pay five thousand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Watch me do it next week. I'll go I, right? like, <laughs> You've spoken it into existence <laughs> now. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like, it's things to think about. That's why I remember I said the three things you need is um, venue, comedian, and a budget. Budget's yeah. like the first thing you need. Actually, it's just you're lucky because you already have a venue on your side. Yeah. So that's yeah. why it's like for you, it's a little. You're you're kind of working um, backwards, forwards in yeah. a good way. Yeah, yeah. You know? My like that. It's my like entrepreneurial brain is just. It's like how can I get the most with paying the least? Like how. Yeah. 
how connections, 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 connections. Well, I just uh, and I think too, if it's your first one, like it's it's very small patio here, but it's still cute. Those make for the best shows. Yeah, sometimes. like a little like a quaint venue with it, because it's small, it's intimate, and those, and intimate shows are always really special. Yeah, yeah, I've made a connection with the audience in a smaller room. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I see a lot of like like A list comedians like trying to recreate that on a large scale, mm-hmm. like in their in their like stadium shows. They're like in their theater shows. Yeah, yeah, they're bringing people in. They're doing like theater in the round. They're like having the audience closer and closer to them because it it harkens back to the yeah. the open mic days yeah. and the the club days. Yeah. 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 Like I'm like. It's a different it game, be- right? It's a different ball game. These different venues, like performing in a theater, is so different than performing in a small bar. Yeah, you can't see the people half the time. Yeah, the yeah. lights. Well, you know, you acted did improv. I I've the done theater. Yeah, black. you can't go like if you're at a small bar or a small little space like this. You can actually talk to someone and make eye contact and feel in the moment but like when you're performing on stage you don't do crowd work yeah unless you're John Mulaney but like like, you know like you it's but not it's different it's um, once again I'm four years in I I can't speak about a lot of this stuff on a professional level because I haven't experienced a lot of it but it's you know, I do a lot of shows. I, I guess I do do some bigger shows, and I do produce with the Guild and, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But, like, the biggest shows that I produced are no more than 200, you know? like, like Which, and, 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 like, again, like, that to me is, like, 200 could, should, could be, like, 10,000. Like, it's it sounds the same to me. I performed for some largest credit I performed for. Actually, no, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> two people. Yeah. Uh, right here in this room. This is, this is me. Is <laughs> you're, um, you're performing for the internet right now, and that could be a million people. <laughs> you know what's funny? I've never, I've only listened to the podcast. I didn't even know that you video recorded well, it. Well, to be honest and strip the curtain back, How do I look? Do I look fast? 90% fast? of the time, my <laughs> webcam stops working. Oh, please and, stop working. This angle is well, very flattering. It's, <laughs> I, and it, um, well, when I get it into editing, the the video feed just gets really choppy and I can't use it. So uh-huh. a lot of the episodes end up being just audio only because of technical difficulties. So that means that this is an audio only. You can cut that whole segment that you just did. I could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just see No. Um, but yeah, I feel like we've talked a lot about business. Yeah. About the fun stuff. Well, I mean, honestly, like, the... The, see, the business plagues me. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, like, I... The... Because the, I, I watch a lot of, um, like, comedy podcasts. Yeah. And the thing that always excites me is when they talk business is like when they're like yeah booking the show or how am i setting up a tour oh interesting yeah like when i like like there was one comedian so it's not so much talking shop like about like the writing and the performing and you actually like the business aspect i like the business aspect well that's good that you like it yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) maybe i'm an anomaly but um there's lots of people that like the business aspect yeah i 
because I like I have that in me to to grow business. I like I mean I I really do enjoy the and I consider like the writing the business of it as well. Yeah. Because well I, it's equal parts artistry but like from my background in acting like I I worked professionally as an actor in Vancouver for many years and so much of it, like it's it's artistry and it's it's character development and it's how you portray yourself on camera or on stage but but that's like 10% of everything else which is all yeah. business it's it's image it's promotion it's like so ego it's like yeah. cr- managing all of these different things and like i think when you're when in in acting anyway when you hit a certain point a lot of that the machine starts doing for you yeah and i i think and this is one of the things i wish i talked to james mullinger about because he's at a certain level where there's a bit of that machine starting to like yeah. do things for and you him you can tell he's worked hard at the pr part of it he's got the business part down like yeah you can tell absolutely you can tell he has created his own success story oh he's he's amazing and good yeah. for him for that absolutely absolutely because because like the thing is like you can be as talented as you want to be yeah but if you don't put the work in yeah very rarely will it come together for oh, you absolutely absolutely and you can be not as talented but put the work in and get better yeah um you know like I'm someone I'm not naturally very funny I'm also not I am I guess I have the 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 business part of me I my mind thinks in details so that's why I guess I don't I don't know if I'm good at it but that's why I've succeeded I guess yeah. in producing and, and, and shows who's to say what's like you've succeeded that's but, good um but like um definitely a writer more than a performer sure working on that yeah, um, but I know that about myself, and it doesn't mean that I'm the best writer either. I'm just saying I'm more of a writer than a performer. Yeah, but um, but I have the work ethic. It take it's taking me a. It's hard not to compare yourself to other people. Yeah, you know, you see you see people who've been around the same amount of time as you, um, you know, either like doing really well or getting huge things, or 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 then you see other people who maybe they aren't at the same spot you are, like. It's always like there's going to be someone better. There's going to be someone I don't want to say someone worse, but someone not there. But like, um, but if you work hard, it's like we said. Like one, you got to make your own opportunities. Two, yeah. You have to have smart business sense. And three, you got to put the fucking work in. Yeah. You have to work to be funny. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because like, um, some of the funniest people I know could never do comedy. They are yeah. disciplined enough to do it. Absolutely. And it's a it's a you have like there's this image of like stand up comedians as like slackers that like sleep until two and then wake up and oh yeah oh like right that's a lie (laughs) (laughs) but when they're working they're working and um like i know tons of people who are way funnier than i am yep who just have zero interest of getting up on a stage and having people watch them yeah and and there's like there's some people who like everybody gets like like in a video game there's like stats yep. and and some people 
just get a higher bump in the stat that shows first. Mm -hmm. Like you don't necessarily, like you're a hard worker, that doesn't necessarily show very quickly. But like charisma on stage, if you have that bumped up to 10, that shows but right away. But I didn't away. have that for a long time, right? Yeah. And yeah. I'm still working on it. Some day, sometimes I don't. Like, yeah. But you just, but when, you, but it's kind of like, you know, it wasn't stupid fable, like uh, slow and steady wins a race. Oh, the yeah. Tortoise, tortoise in the hair, yeah. yeah. But like, it's true though. If yeah. You, if you steadily work at something, you become more and more consistent. And comedy consistency is key. Absolutely. No one's gonna book you if you're not consistent. Um, you're gonna sabotage yourself. Like, but the thing is, consistency comes over time too, right? Because there's people who aren't consistent because they don't put the work in. But then there's people like me who are who haven't been consistent because I'm learning. <laughs> like, well, how can you be consistent if you haven't been around long enough to be consistent? One hundred percent. And you yeah. know, there's the freaks in nature who are yeah. just amazing. But the thing is, we aren't all freaks in nature. Yeah. So you gotta work hard. <laughs> and and yeah, and and like like kind of back to the point i was made like is it like and i mean and there are 100 are the freaks of nature who are just like good at everything all the yeah. time yeah but like maybe maybe the people that stand out just have that stat that's visible right away up like yeah like right like like Sometimes if you're it helps having a look if you if you're attractive and charismatic you're gonna go really far really quickly but do you have the, the other stamina. things that yeah do you have the stamina do you have the work right. ethic do you have all those things the substance the meat of the because yeah you, you can buy a beautiful cake but if you cut into it yeah. and it's rotten nobody's gonna eat it you know taylor carver yeah so I was uh, Taylor Carver, the original bad boy of the PA comedy scene. That's what he calls himself. Yeah. And what I call him. And what we should all call him, because it's true. Uh, but he, um, there's been so many times I've complained or bitched or vented to Taylor over the years just about things to do with comedy. He's like, Tanya, the worst thing that can happen is you do really, really well right off the get-go. Yeah. there's nowhere to go but down. <laughs> he was like, he was like, yeah, you've had some rough goes. Yeah. yeah, you've had some unfortunate things. Yeah, maybe that set didn't go well. Yeah. But he was like, you're going to be a better comic for it in the long yeah, run. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, comedy is humbling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I... I, I can't remember if it. I was listening to some. Either either I was listening to a famous comic talk about this, or I completely made it up in my head. I'm not sure. Okay, I'm excited. But um, <laughs> they, whoever they happen to be, said um, the worst thing that you can do is have a really good first set, because then you're you've created a, a mental block in your mind. Well, you think you think that, one, that's the bar. Yeah. And you may not push yourself farther, or it's going to be really hard to handle it when you crash and burn Absolutely. and bomb. Yeah. So I don't think this person will mind me talking about it. I shouldn't say their name. Okay, so what I will say is this. They are one of the funniest people off and on stage I know. Mm -hmm. They started a comedy after me. Yeah. They've performed less than 60 times in the last couple of years. And they're someone to watch, and that's Andrea Avery. Yeah. Um, and 
just a joy to watch. Someone who does comedy for all the right reasons. Yeah. <laughs> because they have fun doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's, we all have fun, right? <laughs> um, no, it, it is a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> but um, Andrea killed, yeah. blew the roof off the place her first three sets. Yeah. And then she had a set where she didn't even bomb. Yeah. And yes, this isn't my story to tell, but because I've given Andrea so many compliments, hopefully that's okay. <laughs> but Andrea tells the story too, and you know, on their fourth set, it they didn't bomb at all. Yeah. They didn't. It just they didn't get the huge responses right. that they did um, the first few times they performed, and it was devastating. Yeah. But she picked herself up and kept going, and she's way funnier than I'll ever be. Yeah. <laughs> and she's very and like. She, but like, but it does. It is true. Like, but see, that's the thing because Andrea is a humble person. Mm-hmm. That's why she survived that. Yeah. She was, but it was, it was still devastating. But at least she has the hard work ethic to like. Yeah. Come into that. If you're someone who doesn't have a hard work ethic and you do well for your in your first like, first ten sets probably. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna kill you when you bomb. Yeah. It is going yeah. because it, like, and I'm someone who bombs a lot, and. <laughs> And I, it's because I try to figure shit out, right? Yeah. And um, I try not to bomb on the paid shows, just so everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> Please book me. Um, but <laughs> I swear I'm fine. But I, it's but when it comes to like uh, you know like dinky shows or like um, mics and stuff like that, yeah. I'm not scared. I go to those to bomb because I it's I'm one of those people I have to throw myself in there to work things out. Yeah. We don't have as many opportunities in PEI like we'd said to work jokes out so if I'm gonna try to figure out if a joke's good or not I'm going in head first yeah because like, I have to you have to absolutely it's the only way to but because of that's a risk so I yeah. bomb a lot and as someone who struggles with mental illness I can tell you <laughs> when you bomb it is suicide yeah, yeah. <laughs> it actually like there's been times I left comedy when sets have went really well on like certain shows and I've left feeling complete euphoria yeah and then there's times where I bombed, and I leave suicidal. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is no happy medium. I, and I've been working really hard. Sorry, I feel like I cut you off, but I I don't know if you can relate to this, but it's partly it's because of my mental health journey, mm-hmm. um, and and also I think I'm finding myself again. I think we all go through periods in our life where we rediscover ourselves, but I'm kind of finding myself on a spiritual level again, and. Um, I'm trying like to not let comedy be the thing that defines me anymore. I think yeah. it'll be like a lot healthier, like where it's like, okay, I do a set, whether I kill or whether I bomb, leave it at the show and go home. Yeah, it's work. Yeah, do it. Whatever happens at work, stays at work. Now that's easier said than done, but mm-hmm. it was destroying me. Yeah, and and for someone who and we all struggle with mental illness, but for so it was affecting me at such a level that I was ill. Oh, I I 100% know what you're talking about. I do not recommend comedy for people who struggle with severe mental illness. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I can tell you, but it's, um, yes, it's therapeutic. It can be venting, but depending on what types of things you struggle with, it can, like, make, it can, like, amplify those. Oh, yeah. It's, It's the most intimate kind of rejection because you're not playing a character you're yourself telling your stories and if people don't like it that 
It's like they're saying, I don't like I you. I don't like you. Absolutely. I, I But uh, when Sean Hogan was on the podcast, he oh, that said... that was such a good podcast. It was, it's great. I listened to that multiple times. Yeah? I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, he, he said... Um, he said, at the end of the day, you're going back to your bed. <laughs> you're it's true, be in your bed. Yeah. Like, why? Like, and I feel like this is at the essence of everything. No matter what your job is or... See, it's hard because comedy, for some of us, it's art. And for some people, it's, like, something they do. It depends on, like, how you identify yourself with it. So it's hard. It's, like... Because when you're an artist, you can't help that artistry part of you is always going to go home to bed with you. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so rejection's extra hard because being like that artistic, connecting with that artistic part that we all have with ourselves, whether it's through comedy, writing, visual art, whatever, it's that's a bit spiritual. So when your art is rejected, it's hard not to let it affect you. Absolutely. But you got to try your best. And yeah. so I've been approaching comedy so differently now. And I will tell you, I've been having some of the best sets that Amazing. I've been having. So I completely bombed. Um, Britt did one of their favorites show. It was Sean Hogan, myself, Rachel Masson, Taylor Carver, and Britt. And um, it was the first time I bombed in a couple of months. Because, um, like, not that, like, I... Anyways, but, like, I'll be honest. Like, you know, I probably, like... It was, like, a for, like, a mic. But mm. it was, like, a bomb. Yeah. Um... I should actually say it's a bomb. It went fine. But when I compare it to the way sets had been going for a while. And that's that comparing, right? That's the comparing though, yeah. right? But that I was able to be down about it for like the night. Yeah. I haven't really thought about what about it much since. That's great. Whereas before that would follow me for two weeks and mm. then sabotage my next performances. Yeah. I'm not funny. I'm not good. Yeah. Like, you gotta, there's no point in doing it unless you're gonna get up there for some type of joy. Like, there's gotta be a reason why you're doing it. There needs to be a, an intention mm-hmm. as an artist, there needs to be a point of view, but there also needs to be something for yourself. Yeah. It, I, because when I was in Vancouver and I was um, acting, I, I would audition all the time. I would go on like mm-hmm. multiple auditions a week and, for uh, screen and stage, or uh, mostly film, yeah, film and film. television. Yeah, and it's oh, you it's like it's rejection therapy, mm-hmm. really. Like you're you're going into rooms with like a a direct in some cases a very well known director, producer, yep. casting director, and you'll be you'll be doing an emotional scene from the middle of the movie, and they're on their phone. Uh, checking emails while you're like yeah. crying or whatever yeah. and and a, there was a moment I can remember almost like crystallized where it shifted for me from like I I like performing that's why I want want to be an actor is so that I can perform and each audition is a stage for me to perform in. So yeah. regardless of whether they're paying attention or they cast me or book me in the thing, I'm still getting to perform. So remember when we were talking about opportunities yeah. right there? That makes me think of like 
the auditions are an opportunity for yourself in that sense. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a way to express or have yeah. joy in that moment. And when that happened, I started booking so much more. Okay. Because... It was authentic. And I was having fun. Because I was like, I don't fucking care if you book me or not. I just... And I started like... And this is like not necessarily recommended because some people get persnickety when you like change the script. But I would just add in things. And I would would like just play with it. And I was like going out... Oh my god, they probably hated you for that. They... I got the most callbacks... And I, I got shortlisted for um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Because... What part? Um, it was... I think it was Roderick's best friend. It, okay. I went out for Roderick and Roderick's best friend. Okay. And um, I, I just, like, messed around. And there was, like, a, a thing where the best friend was like this like rocker guy Mm -hmm. so I made up a song in the middle of the audition and just and I got called I got a call back for that one because that was something you did in the moment yeah yeah and it was just fun and I didn't care um I booked a there was a movie there was a part and I I just like I was um I was this drunk guy at a party yeah um and I was like in the script throwing bottles against the house yeah. drunkenly and in the audition I was I was like <laughs> I was like throwing like a hundred bottles against the house it was like ridiculous yeah. and I booked that because it like I, I wasn't caught up in the um, trying to be perfect with this exactly yeah because I think ultimate I think there's two things... Well, anyone can read a script. Anyone can read a script. But it's like, what do you bring to it that's unique for the character? And and I I think... I talk like I know everything. Well, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't I, No, no, no. Like, <laughs> I, I think a, more... Like, of course you need to be skilled enough to, to say the lines in a way that's believable and move the story forward. Like, that's a given. But I think a lot of people don't put enough weight on are you enjoyable to be around that's the thing oh my god when i took the comedy writing course this was like where the first like i cause like for me it was a process so mm-hmm. about a year in i just started producing shows but i also uh was very fortunate i got a pi arts grant okay and i used it to go over i was accepted into um, study comedy writing under nikki payne oh nikki payne's cool yeah and um it's like a beginner's writing course which was great for me because i was only a year in and and it was like kind of like i was still new enough that it was like it wasn't like i thought i knew everything yeah um but i feel like you can take a writing course any you can always learn something new right yeah holy shit like you could be 10 years in and take a beginner's writing course and you probably would, like get something out of it but yeah. anyway um she said tanya <laughs> it's not that you <laughs> It's not that your jokes are bad. It's that you need to joyfully communicate them. Yeah. And so that's why I have the joke now. She's the person who taught me how to joyfully communicate that I hate myself. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a great joke. Which is one of my favorite jokes. Yeah. And, um, but it's, but it's true. Yeah. (laughs) And, And, um, it's so important in comedy, um, 
I mean, yeah, some people's shtick is to be, like, very, like, monotone or grumpy on stage or yeah. whatever, and it works for them. But for the most part, you kind of need to look like you're having fun. Or yeah. even if you look like you're struggling because that's your type of character, you need to somehow joyfully communicate that struggle to the audience. Yeah. Like, you need to bring them into, trick them into yeah. your world to trust you and go along and be like, oh, yeah, they are funny. Yeah, because you can you can put on a, an aloof, disinterested person. Yeah, but you the the artist has to be delivering that. You can't actually be aloof and disinterested in the audience because nobody's gonna give a shit. Yeah, like people who, like there's got to be a plan, right? There's got to yeah. be some type of. You're right, um, but yeah, if you can ever like, I think Nikki offers that course. There's, I think like. She takes up to ten people in it. I think she does it once a year or once every two years. Yeah. If you can ever take it and afford the drive over to, she does it at the Capitol Theater in Moncton, so it's actually only an hour and a half drive. That's not bad. Um, it is worth it. Yeah. Like, how many people like that do you get a chance to study under? She is living in New Brunswick now because, like, she's in school um, studying actually. So she, uh, she performs a bit still, and she does uh, these yeah. writing courses. Anyhow. Um, I liked her on uh, Video on Trial. Did you ever watch that show? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's ridiculous. She's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> ridiculous. <laughs> In the best kind of way. Yeah. Um, but there's someone who, like, you know, like, she has a lisp and, like, is mm-hmm. very, has different things and has used her quirks in such an interesting way yeah. to reach audiences, you know, that it's like... Yeah. Like, her material or content can stand on its own, but she also, like, can use these things to make people have fun. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I have a lot of respect it, for... It, it connects you to the audience. Like... Yeah. I think if, like, you... Even, like... And to be clear, I'm not saying that's why she's funny. No, she's no, no, funny no, no, no. She's a genius. I'm yeah. I'm not saying that. Um, yeah. But, but whenever you can... Whatever's going on in your life, whatever part of you... What I'm learning is, and I think you were just going to say too, like, you can connect with the audience. It's like back to that authentic self yeah. thing, right? It's like allowing yourself to be so vulnerable that you're not vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and you're owning it. And you're... You're owning it. You That's have to own way. it. Yeah. And you just, if you naturally own it, if it's like secondary to your act, then that doesn't become the highlight of your act. No. That, but it just makes you more relatable. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, I can't remember who was saying it, but like, if if you're like a a beautiful sculpted marble statue, and you're like you're you're rich and gorgeous, and like y- your work's harder because you have to bring y- this audience to connect to you. Yeah. And like, and you're you're over here in in this like beautiful person land and all of us normies how do you comedy is all about connecting over the the, the, sure. the humorous parts of life right and that's why i love jim gaffigan because jim gaffigan is one of like the richest comedians yeah. but he came like he worked hard to get where he is and he acknowledged it in one of his show shows like he was like i can't what was it? It wasn't like one of his specials, but I remember like in an interview or something, he was like, or it was a smaller show. Uh, what did he say? It was like, I can't pretend that I can like just relate to everyone anymore. The peasants. Like it was kind yeah. of almost like, yeah. I forget how he did it. He didn't call people. Anyway, I love Jim Gaffigan. 
Yeah. I love Jim Gaffigan. Like, I... Jim Gaffigan's one of the reasons why I even knew, knew what stand-up comedy was. I yeah. wish I could be one of these people that comes on a podcast and is <laughs> interviewed and was like, I've been watching stand-up comedy since I was six. I always wanted to be like Norm MacDonald. Like, yeah. I, I wish I could come on and be one of those people. I've discovered stand-up comedy much later in life. Um, one of my friends, uh, Aaron, she passed away, but um, we used to watch Jim Gaffigan specials together. Um, and that was like something we did a lot and like that's kind of what got me like to like stand-up comedy and then but I didn't have like I didn't know a lot about like you know like Canadian artists or like I knew like the Netflix names sure, yeah. or like I didn't know whatever and so it's been really cool uh, having four years ago learned that we had a stand-up scene here yeah and then getting into comedy and learning and reading and, and breathing and dreaming well, and, <laughs> and, like, and doing so and, much to and, grow that like your but, your fingerprints are all over the PEI comedy scene that's nice of you to say I don't know if that's a good thing I'm joking I don't I, know like, I hope it is but I, I hope it's helpful I yeah. guess is but um, well, I mean, I'll I'll say you, I'm as as somebody who ha- was booked on your upcoming <laughs> show, um, Patio Laughs. Um, yeah. It's definitely helped me out. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. And I mean, the biggest thing is I just want people to have fun. And like I said, for me, it's very personal comedy. It's about um, my comedy. It's like dark content, but the material is expressed in a goofy way. Like, yeah. I guess that's like how you would say it. And yeah. So I'm glad if, if I have a small piece in what might be the future of a PEI, like larger comedy scene, that's cool. Um, but I will say I am trying to focus a bit more on myself now and like growing myself Definitely. as a comic. Yeah. Um, and, and that's only going to help. The, the, the better you are in yourself and the, the more, the more, the more comfortable you are and and yeah yeah better you feel is just gonna help everybody else right it's well i think everyone like grows like uh communities grow together yeah like yeah remember how like there's a yeah like we said earlier like um i talked like about it's like 10 years ago it's like 10 minutes ago remember <laughs> when yeah um but like uh That's there. This is my brain. I'm sorry, it has melted in the heat. That's that's okay. Oh, uh, I don't know what I was gonna say, uh, but it. I'll I'll as the host, I'll fill in. Um, okay. The because you had mentioned um, how like James Mullinger and like these people have these like big, um, like everything looks really good, and and you just said how how we need to grow as a community. I'm like, there is there is something, like, you know how, like, um, Film PEI has all of these, like, oh, we have, like, you can rent a, a camera, this and that and that and that. Yeah. As comedians, at, like, because our, our circle is, is growing but small, mm-hmm. we need to, like, come together, find a way to, like, come together to, like, utilize our different skills to create that that's the dream thing right but unfortunately like what my experience this isn't to say it can never happen Mm -hmm. but i love community yeah and i learned the hard way that a lot of people don't want to put in how much i put in yeah and i haven't really seen any follow-up on the things people could offer 
Yeah. And so I just burnt myself out. Yeah. So if people do want to step up to the plate and actually make uh, like a working community yeah, like where yeah. we all contribute something different. Like, I mean, everyone, just by being in a scene, everyone contributes something. Like, don't, sure. don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, I can name every single person in our scene or who has like or whatever everyone's at a different stage like amateurs emerging professionals whatever yeah. um, and like everyone has a story and just even by like performing at Rat Tales like everyone brings something that makes the scene more rich and whatever but when it comes to skill sets in terms of growing a scene yeah trust me that's like I've learned the hard Holy way teeth. that's almost a pipe dream but as the scene naturally grows yeah then you get more people who are interested such as yourself in producing yeah like it's it's kind of like um like a domino effect yeah but it's like happens slowly because like now we have someone like yourself who's maybe interested in making some more shows or putting some more waves yeah. in the water of the scene well maybe that will generate another wave to someone else you know and then the storm yeah. starts to roll slowly Absolutely. so it's that's you a very East Coast way of a metaphor. I think it's because I'm looking at the Red Island Cider Lighthouse logo. I was looking at the waves while I was saying it. I think, yeah. How poetic. Yeah. By the way, buy Red Island Cider. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you didn't know, this podcast is sponsored by Red Island. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh, I remember. Remember when? Yeah, back, oh, you know, years ago. Um... It's kind of like that expression, there's always going to be someone better than you and someone worse than you. Yeah. So with comedy, there's always going to be someone who's further ahead of you and someone who's less experienced than yeah. you. And the best thing, and Taylor Carver mentioned this to me, and he's so right, it's so important to have comics a couple of years under you comics a couple of years or many years ahead of you yeah so that you can each give advice to each other it's like passing down the torch yeah because even though there might only be two years difference between yep. like or three years difference whatever it works it to be between me and you yeah you know i can pass on some of the stuff that i've learned it doesn't mean that everything i know is everything yeah or, like, or is even right there's no yeah. such thing as right or wrong when it comes to building your artistry mm-hmm. but like you said there are steps and there are milestones and there are things that I aspire to do and I get feedback from, you know, comics that are five, ten years ahead of me. And, like, yeah. I think, I think like, that's an important thing. Like, I think a comedy is something, like, everyone is wise in a different way from their own perspective. But in, like, terms of, like, passing down the torch on to be like, okay, like, this is kind of, like how you should approach things. I think that's so important. Definitely. And I think, like, we need to have more of that in our scene where it's, like, not mentoring, because but, like, that's just something that naturally happens. But like, mentoring. Like, if you look at the music scene... Yeah. The people will just naturally talk to, like, oh, like, we were just talking about shows earlier, right? Yeah. Like, how did you book that show at the Trailside? That's yeah. one. Or, like, maybe it's, let's go to the bare bones. Let's go have two musicians who just started playing guitar at an open mic. And one of their favorite island artists just happens to come out to an open mic. They're probably going to ask them questions, and they feed them like yeah. knowledge, right? So it is something that naturally happens. I think it's just because we've so, our scene is so small that it's like you can't depend on that to necessarily happen because not everyone has the same goals. Some people just want to go to the open mic and they're happy with that, and that's totally yeah, fine. That's, that's cool. all they want to yeah. do. Some people. They just want to literally make social Instagram comment. They want to, like, film and get, like, a joke here and there and put that online. And that's fine, too. Some people have 
dreams and put the work in. Some people have dreams and don't put the work in. Like it's you know, and everyone's at a different stage. But the more people we get in the scene, and that was one thing that was exciting when I was running the mic. There's so many other people coming out that we weren't seeing. Yeah. Um, and like with Brit running rat tails, the same thing is happening. Like the more mics there are, there's more people that come out and try comedy. Yeah. So let's say you ran a mic at Red Island once a month or something yeah. like that. If you did that, well, you, because of people who are friends or like to come or buy their product from Red Island, you're not only going to have people who maybe want to watch a show, you mean people actually might try stand up. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, that's how, the more shows there are and more mics and stuff like that, the more people you pick up. And the, the more people in a scene, it doesn't just make a scene more rich, but it also makes more, more likely there's going to be a community. Absolutely. Because you can't... Ten people don't have the same goals. Like, right now in PEI, there's, like, 20 of us, you know? Yeah. And, like, we don't all have the same goals. We're not all at the same spot. Ten people don't know what they're... Like, you know, they might not be worried about the stuff that you and I are talking about. Right? Yeah. So they're not going to be the people that are going to be the pillars to, of yeah. building the festival. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But, like, that's just the reality. And I'm not, like, talking about anyone specific. I'm just talking about people in general. No, and, and, and it's, it's not that they're bad people for not wanting that either. Fuck right? no. No, they don't... To be honest, I respect them yeah. more for not wanting to define their life by stand-up comedy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> But like I, I, I know already. Like there's, uh, there's people I, there's one person I work with, um, in my my job as an acupuncturist, who wants to do stand up, but yeah. has never had the opportunity. And when she heard that I was doing stuff at Rat Tails, yeah, she was like, oh, I definitely want to come see, and then maybe I'll do some, and yeah. that will very cool. Rich enrich the culture tell, tell her to come to the write-in that's before the mic on august 8th okay or that's what i'll sorry i'm like jumping in here right on your thought process so no like, oh okay. another promotional opportunity yeah. <laughs> for my business but um <laughs> we'll we'll get in your promo don't worry <laughs> just joking. but um but yeah like but that's the thing though right like they through you they know that now yeah right? and and hopefully they'll come out to a show. Yeah. And maybe they'll be interested in trying. I think they're coming out on the 19th. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So, excuse me. <laughs> I just burped into the microphone. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can't help it. It's all this water I'm drinking. Yeah. Not on the cider this week. No. Right. <laughs> I'm off I'll, the cider. I'll drink your share. That's okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, I... I think that comedy is a very special thing, and yeah. I'm very thankful to be on here. Um, I think you, like, it's cool the opportunities you get, like even just like the people you met through like interviewing people, like you know, there's you've had yeah. like James on, for example, and like yep. I know for me, it's been the one gift of producing is not only off stage time for myself, but the cool headliners I've met, yeah, and how much I've learned about people, yeah, and comedy. And just knowing that how much there is to learn and like how I'm just like a speck yeah. in a universe of funny people. <laughs> it's, and it's just, you like, know. That was a very conscious decision of mine is like in creating this podcast is 
and and like in a selfish way mm-hmm. getting in the like like you're like a random person isn't necessarily going to get like an hour and 20 minutes with James Mullinger to just shoot the shit. Yeah, it's but, like we said opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And I can like approach people like Dan Quinn and um like different comedians and say, "Hey, do you want to be on my podcast?" because everybody <laughs> likes talking about themselves. Yeah. So Hey, and then and then I get to learn. I get to pick up these, yeah, you know, nuggets of wisdom, and like, cause I, in, I hate talking about myself. You hate, <laughs> but I don't. No, but but I don't shut up. That's that's the thing. That's why I was like, uh, you're like, you'd mentioned a few times going on. I'm like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like like I think three different people go into podcasts. I think like or podcasts. Three different types of people go into comedy: narcissists, yeah, adrenaline junkies. People pleasers, not a people person. Yeah. I want to be validated, but I hate talking about myself because I hate myself. <laughs> I'm so insecure. I'm working on it, but, but no, but I am. But it, but it's, but I, I can't shut the fuck up because of my uh, pressured speech symptom from it, my from it, bipolar. So yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yes, to everything you just said. Yeah, it's, you'd never get to talk to those people if you didn't do the you, podcast. You wouldn't, yeah, absolutely not. And imagine what you what wouldn't come up if you didn't produce the show you're going to produce. Ex- absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, I was I was talking with um, Dan Hendrickson, yep. and Dan. he, I was like, we were talking about touring, yeah, and and I was like, well, like, and he was saying, yeah, you just meet people and talk and say, hey, you're you're touring. Do you mind if I jump on your show when you're in town or what? And whatever things naturally evolve, and I was like, "Yeah." Next time you're in town, and now that we have a relationship, mm-hmm. I was like, "Hey, let me do a like a three minutes or a five minutes or something." And he's like, "Yeah, absolutely." Yeah. So it's it's Dan's a great guy. Too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just opportunity. It's networking. Like I think it all comes down to, yeah, being. And surround yourself with the people you want to. Like, comedy is full of so many different types of personalities, and a lot of us aren't well. Yeah. Uh, and so you will learn very quickly the type of people you want to and don't want to work with. Absolutely. And it's not to say that those people necessarily are bad people, but it is the type of art form where you can butt heads if it's not a good fit. Oh, I, I worked in Hollywood North. I, yeah, I, so... You yeah, there are people you don't want to work with who yeah. are who are lovely people for all intents and purposes. Or maybe they're lovely people for some people, but not for you. Exactly. There's that yeah. too. Some people can be assholes, but maybe they're just assholes to you, not to other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and vice versa. Maybe you're yeah. an asshole to certain people. Oh, I'm sure people. people don't like me. That's why. That's why not everyone fits. Yeah, exactly. That's why there's many many pieces in this puzzle of life, and. And we just, yeah, gravitate to the people that there's more than enough space in this business and in this world for us all to kind of have carve out our niche. Nice, though, if everyone could be community oriented, though. In an it would be world. nice in a in a perfect. Pretty. It'd be pretty. I always I always tell my patients <laughs> um, in acupuncture, in a perfect world, this we would just experience life we would digest and process it and we would move on yeah but unfortunately but i do think like um 
it is important to remember too like comedy is like so personal too that there is that level of like there's always going to be that level of solitude like you do need to be strong mind and strong wills um that a friend told me you're your own island <laughs> yeah um to protect yourself from like drama toxicity but also from like rejection and like those like euphoric feelings and suicidal yeah. feelings like but like you know like with comedy like you write your own stuff yeah you may have someone that you like exchange jokes with that you trust or something like that like, yeah like, where you like uh, read each other's writing and give feedback or something but it's but like it is a very personal journey it is a very lonely art yeah. form in that sense but i still wish but the thing is just that everyone's different personalities at the end of the day but i'm like you i do wish i wish it was more of a community-minded um, industry. Yeah. But it's not. It's not. Because of the nature of it. Yeah. And those different types of personalities. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it like, and... No sane... No, okay, let me... Let me focus in that. No completely sane person does stand-up comedy. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a level, there's a spectrum of what insanity is. Sure. But no perfectly sane yeah. person goes in yeah. and is like, today I think I'm going to give up everything yeah. <laughs> to do stand-up comedy. Yeah. One of the most deprecating things that yeah. you can do to yourself. Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's very... <laughs> um, it's something, eh? It's something. It's, it's something. something. And we keep doing it. So God knows why. Who no, knows? I'm just I'm just joking. I it, 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 I it, I mean I enjoy it. I know you enjoy it. We all I'm grateful. Yes, I'm grateful it's for it's it. great. But um, I I think that is a good place to yeah. come to an end. I want to give you an opportunity to shout out your to do your your promo and and shout out. To shout out. There's. Yeah. Well, we got the show coming okay, up next okay, week. Okay, sorry. Okay. So next week... <laughs> so, okay. I produce, in case no one knows anything about me, um, which it would be okay if you don't, because I know nothing about me, um, but you should um, check out Patio Laughs. Uh, it's a show that I partner with Upstreet Craft Brewing on, and our next show is next week, uh, Wednesday, July 19th. And it's a PEI comedy showcase that's featuring um, amateurs emerging, and there's a couple of special guest pros. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's actually like a really affordable price. It's only like fifteen bucks. Like, it's nothing. But because um, you know, I don't have to like pay to bring anyone in from yeah. Long Island, so it's like you know. Um, so there's that, and then I guess I might. Can I? Can I be selfish and give myself a shout out for a couple? Absolutely, this is your time. Um, okay, haha. <laughs> I just came on Adam's podcast to talk about myself, right? Yeah. Um, so in um, August, I have a one-woman um, show with the Island Fringe Festival, running August second through sixth, and my shows are at Beacon's Field Carriage House. Um, and you can, if you want to buy a ticket, you can head at islandfringe.com, or you can pay um, by donation at the door. And if you check out islandfringe.com, it has the showtimes on it, um, as well as there'll be more patio laugh shows, and uh, I'll be at the King's House, King's Playhouse Cabaret, and doing an opening spot for Patrick Ludwell, the Trailside, and yeah, August is gonna be busy. Check out TanyaNicoleComedy.com. Yep. 
or go on the old Instagram, and it's a uh, Tanya Nicole comedy there too, because I'm just literally slewing dates out at you now. But at the very least, please come out to the PEI showcase next week and support local comedy at Upstreet Craft Brewing. It would mean the world. Yep. Um, I'll be are... there. I'm performing. Yes, and... Adam's there. Adam's first showcase. Yes. Holy and... smokes! <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> and and pretty much everybody on the list is a is an East Coast lifestyle um, yeah. friend friend of the show. So who's not? Who's a foe? Who's who, a foe? Who hasn't been? Um, Taylor Carver. Taylor Carver hasn't been on yet. I've but talked. He's not to... a foe. He's a future. Friend. He's a future friend. Okay. He's a future friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I was om- I almost got him on, and then he went back to Toronto for okay. a, a while. But now he's back, so I'm gonna... pop on. he's funny. He's really funny to interview. He's just like Taylor. You're fucking weird, but he's... you're so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> We're, we'll we'll set it up. Um, yeah, and I think aside from him, everyone else has been on the show now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's gonna be fun. I'm excited for like um, like some of you folks. Like it's your first show show. Yeah. Like. like um, you know where people are paying buying tickets money to yeah. come see you now they are coming to see me wow yeah buckle up buckle up you're, north hollywood you're getting Vancouver. adam uncensored those people rejected adam and they yeah, now you're gonna hear about here. it you're gonna hear from from the patio laugh stage which is a patio <laughs> <laughs> aptly named anyways um thank you so much for having me on it's always a joy to hang out with you Adam. absolutely thank you for for hanging out with me Yay. this has been great right. oh, oh sorry just saying i released my first comedy album it's called croc nato i'm really bad at promoting that eh? i basically did a soft release and i never talk about it you need a hard release i need a hard release <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway, where can yeah. they find it? Where- um, you can find it on Bandcamp and on SoundCloud and soon on Spotify. Crocknado, Tanya Nicole. Yeah. Thank you for coming. <laughs> this has been a pleasure. Um, I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more of you. And um, we'll have you on again. Bye. Love you. I'm a queer woman. I'm proud of it. I am. I, uh, I don't love gender. I love people. Doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, whatever. I don't care as long as you love me back. That's it. That's all I want. But, uh, you know, I'm 37. It's a small community, PEI, right? Dating pool's pretty shallow. A lot of the fishes are wearing the same jeans, you know? No, I just... Like I said, it doesn't matter about gender. I just, I just want someone to love. Haven't been having a lot of luck in the dating world, though. And so whenever I ask people, how come you don't want to date me? Um, they usually say it's because I'm what they call uh, annoying. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm one of those comedians. I got the bipolar disorder. And the symptom that I struggle with most is called pressured speech. And if you don't know what pressured speech is, it means Tanya doesn't know how to shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I interrupt people all the time. It's not that I think what I have to say is any more important than you. It's just that what I have to say is more important than you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would know. People love to hear me talk, right? Like my mental health nurse. My psychiatrist. 
my therapist. I don't want to brag, but I have an entire mental health team. On PEI, I am the Olympian of mental illness. I'm doping on antidepressants. I'm dropping antipsychotics in my smoothies. Why does no one want to date me? I'm a really fun time. <laughs> I, uh, I recently tried to dig my eyeball out with a plastic fork um, after another Tinder date ghosted me. Um, my psychiatrist calls it being emotionally overreactive, but I just chop it up to good reflexes. <laughs> Dating on PEI when you're a hopeless romantic is hard. It is. Because I always hold out hope. And because of that, I tend to choose people to date like the way I choose public washroom stalls. It's always a complete shit show. Online dating's weird when you're a bisexual woman. All those experimental couples seem to think that bisexual is a synonym for threesome. <laughs> I'm all for experimentation, but not stupidity. <laughs> but seriously though, if you're bored, you go on Tinder, just check it out. It's a BOGO for the buys. It's a buy one, get one free. You know, all I want is a girlfriend. But even though I want a girlfriend, I have a very controversial opinion about the word girlfriend, right? Like, if you introduce me to your girlfriend, does that mean it's a platonic friend that I can hit on? Or like a romantic partner that I can steal? Or what's even more confusing is when someone introduces me as their girlfriend. Like, are we just buds? Because that's cool. But you better let me know, because it's going to get real awkward when you bend over to tie your shoe, and I think you're proposing. 